Welcome to Improphosophy, where we bring living room discussions to your day-to-day life. This week, we are currently discussing The Anima and Animus in Ion by Carl Jung. Enjoy! Alright, so, okay, I have the story I want to start by sharing. Okay. So I went for a run in Creve Core earlier today, and there's some people on the side of the path, and they're like with cameras looking at something. So I'm like, oh, probably an animal. And I'm, you know, I run a four mile track, and this is like end of mile two ish. Uh, so I stop, and then I see it's a snake, uh, a, a garter snake. And I told myself a while ago uh, that the next snake that I found, I would try to catch. <laughs> because I, I think it was like this really like old guy. And he's like, he's like, yeah, I catch every snake I see. And I'm like, man, I'm being like shown up by this guy. <laughs> so next snake I see, I'll catch. I find the snake. There's a group of people around it. I'm like very interested in catching it. And then these people are like, don't mess with it, kind of like their mm-hmm. own disgust, kind of, um, with a snake <laughs> telling me not to, like, go near it. So I I find a stick, kind of one that Ys off, and then try to, like, break it right before the Y and the stick so I can, like, pin its head down. Uh, and by the time I get that stick, uh, basically the snake had, like, disappeared under a log because I... I was finding like the perfect tool to catch the snake. So I start moving this log around and the snake comes out, but he goes into these like brambles or is that what it is? That I called? don't know. It's something. Okay. So I, I get the snake in there and then I like kind of trying to pin its head down, but it's not working. And then it goes a little more into the open and then I pin it and then <laughs> enter stage, right? There's like this woman that has like long nails and she's like, like, oh, those garter snakes, they don't bite. You can just like grab them. And she's like, <laughs> she starts grabbing at the snake that I, I just pinned down. Like I was going to get it. And then she's just, just putting her hands all over it. And then like holding up in the air, it's like falling and she's catching. She's like, she you can just grab it. And I'm like, who is this person? Like. 10 minutes ago, everyone was disgusted about this idea of me catching a snake. And then 10 minutes later, I'm about to get it. And then, like, Mother Earth comes up and just like, oh, what did you do? <laughs> and her, her, like, kids come up and they have all these, like, tattoos and piercings. And they're, like, playing hot potato with a snake and passing back and forth. And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> it was, like, it was such a weird experience. Um... Yeah, I don't know how that's gonna segue. I just yeah, I didn't. I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> not, I'm I'm not used to uh, snakes, so I I wouldn't have known what to do. Snake handling Baptist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so what are we talking about today, Jordan? Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I know we went through ego in the shadow, um, chapter three. I figured out the pronunciation, the sigisy. Sigisty. Yeah. 
uh, anima and animus. Uh, can you tell, since you're a little bit more familiar with Jung, can you tell me what the anima and the animus are? Yeah, so anima and animus, it's, in Jung's psychology, it's, it's like our idea of the opposite sex. And it's from the unconscious part of our mind. So, for example, think of, this is not an example, but think of, like, do you know how baby chicks just kind of follow the, the mother bird? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, ah, Oops. That's a phone. Um, yeah, so do you know when the chicks follow the mother, it's kind of like this imprint. Like, we don't know why this chick has this idea to follow the mom, mm-hmm. but it just kind of happens. And there's even, you know, biologists that figured out if you chicks will kind of blindly follow them. Mm-hmm. So Jung would say that like the anima or animus, it's, it's kind of one of those things. It's one of those like baked in images kind of deep in our soul that, that for whatever reason, that kind of takes hold of us and affects us. Mm-hmm. Like if, if someone didn't have this deep image of the opposite sex, why would the sexes even care about each other? Mm. Uh, so, it, yeah, anima, animus, you can start to think of it as like an imprint in your unconscious, but you actually realize it's a lot more dynamic than that. Mm-hmm. Jung uses the word ana, which is like animation, animated, like alive, uh, like an animating force. So the anima, uh, that's that's like a man's uh, kind of ideal woman in their head. Uh, that's that's the ageless, ageless image of the feminine in the man's unconscious. And the animus is... Um, the female understanding of the man, of her own... Im- so basically the... Sorry, you, you go ahead. I, I, I interrupt you. Go ahead. Well, yeah, you're right there. It's kind of like the perfection ideal. Yeah. So it's so the animus is the female part of the male, and the anima is the male part of the female. To put it in very simplistic terms. Yes. Yeah. To put it in very, I know that's not quite accurate, but that that's in a very simplistic way of understanding it. But it's basically like you, what you were just saying. Uh, anima is the female ideal of what the man has and animus is the male masculine ideal of what the female perceives yeah i uh, yeah i I don't want to i don't know if i should talk about the modern day controversies in regards to anima and animus okay no uh cory's shaking his head no so we'll discuss it off podcast so we're we're not gonna go there yes donate on our patreon do you have patreon no we we, we don't maybe maybe one day give us five dollars while passing us on the street (laughs) yeah we'll 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 give you a few words on our podcast then yeah and Another interesting idea, uh, let's just talk anima for a second. Jung seems to say that there's an anima that like a son has, 
of like his mother and then it kind of morphs into an anima of hmm. eventually into dating life hmm. it kind of makes sense Seem, do you have a little bit more to expound on that yeah I, I guess he he thinks that the anima has a lot of dexterity uh, for yeah as a kid it's as a like a as like a boy um your anima might be like a nurturing mother mm. and on the other side of the spectrum of the nurturing mother is the devouring mother think of like hansel and gretel yeah hey kids come to my house <laughs> the railings are made of candy <laughs> and and then very soon they're in the oven <laughs> i don't know where that voice came from <laughs> but yeah the and I, I think the devouring mother comes from not detaching from your mother properly, mm-hmm. um, of wanting to be cocooned, nurtured, uh, all of these things at an age where you're you're kind of past that. Mm-hmm. And then, I guess in the dating scene, the anima becomes beauty, which is like the ideal beauty. That's the positive version of it, and then on the more toxic version, it becomes kind of like a, a femme fatale, um, fatal female, seductress, mm-hmm. whatever you call it, a, a version of beauty that wants to use beauty for her own gain, wants to seduce you, wants to... Like a black widow? Or the, I guess, my understanding of what a, what the uh, black widow is, not in terms of the insect itself, but... Uh, a type like this woman who entices somebody in just to devour them, say like a gold digger. Mm. Yeah. Like family fatales, they usually, they usually don't want to have a family with you Mm. and they usually see their sexuality as a tool to get what they want. Uh, And typically in archetypes, they're, they stop the masculine hero from fulfilling his journey or what he's supposed to be. Hmm. So think of what's an example, Homer, not not Homer, Odysseus. Yeah. Odysseus. And he gets stuck on Calypso's Island. Circe. Would it be her name? Oh, she, she might be a femme fatale as well. She turned all his, um, all of his men into animals. I was thinking more Calypso. Calypso. Uh, it's been forever since I've gone through this story. Calypso is like this. She lives on this island and she's kind of marooned. And she just wants um, Odysseus to stay with her forever. Oh, yeah. That, that's where the beginning of the Odyssey starts, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because the Odyssey starts 10 years after he was stranded on the island. That's right. And it's kind of stopped. I think it stopped his like hero's journey for like seven years or something. 10. 10 yeah 10 years bam yeah because i remember just as a little segue i remember the uh the odyssey starts so going in chronological order it starts uh with them they've won the trojan war and they're heading home they have all these adventures and it takes and then 10 years pass and odysseus is on this island with calypso and then just a minor spoiler it takes an additional 10 years to get home so 20 years to get home 
but yeah, that, but I get what you're saying though. But back on topic. Yeah. So the, the anima has a lot of dexterity. It has both a, you know, maternal form, like a mother form where, right. It ranges from being like mm-hmm. nurturing to being devouring and ranges from being, you know, like truly beautiful to kind of a, a seductress or right. a fatal female. Mm-hmm. And then with the animus, it equally has a lot of range to it. There's the, you know, there's like the courageous warrior lover, the, mm-hmm. the man that will like kind of fight for you. Uh, Christian Grey. Christian Grey. Fifty Shades <laughs> of Grey. Yikes. Yeah, I, I guess the toxic version is someone that's just like a predator. Mm-hmm. It's like they will fight for you, but in all the wrong ways. Like you, their attention, you please just cut them off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, And then I guess as a daughter, I kind of did this in opposite order. So as a woman, it's, it's from the courageous warrior lover to the um, predator. And then as a daughter... It can kind of range from like the just father to the tyrannical father. Yeah. So, yeah, when we say anima and animus, it has this massive range. And Jung would say that different versions of the archetype kind of come out. Um, at different times it's not just like one it's very complicated i don't know how to mm-hmm. describe it no it's all right so it's i guess it's the way somebody can perceive something it can be would it's would you say that's their understanding of anima or animus so for instance if a if a daughter had a very good father growing up that would be the just father would you say and her understanding of the animus right Yeah, I think there would be a. Yeah, there there might be like a more healthy unconscious desire for someone that's good for them. Mm-hmm. Get going from being a daughter to being on a dating scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's that whole meme online where you see girl post pictures for of herself for money, and you oh. see you see. Yeah, I know I'm going there. And then you see um, guys making fun of her like, oh, did she not have a good relationship for, with her father? It's like, maybe. Yikes. Yeah. Although I, I've gotten, I've grown to have more compassion for women like that because I'm like, well, it's unfortunate that she's putting herself out there like that. But it's like you would hope she would have a, a good life behind the camera or something like that because it's like you need to learn good compassion for something like that. But. Yeah, it's just not going to bring a fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same thing goes for guys, but... You... But, yeah. Um, how do we... I guess... I guess a good way to... As a um, springboard from that is how can we acknowledge our own shortcomings so we don't project our insecurities onto others in regards to the anima animus? So, mm-hmm. for instance, for the male... How do we not project um, a shortcoming onto a female? Because we would have some sort of female ideal, 
let's say we're having our own insecurities and shortcomings, how is it that we ourselves would possibly project those insecurities and shortcomings on say to a, a spouse or a partner? Mm. Yeah, projection. I, I wrote two notes here. Uh, so I wrote, and sorry, I'm still talking anima. You're fine. For like the boy, the projection is like evil on others as a threat to the nurturing, protective mother. Mm -hmm. People are gonna rip me away from mom and my my nourishment and my um, I don't even know. <laughs> I'm running out of adjectives. You're fine. I don't. I don't want to use like shoddy adjectives because sometimes you try to add another adjective and it's like that one is just. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the most dumbest, simpler word, simplest word might be just the word you might be looking for. Yeah. So, so the mom that's nurturing a cocoon, you you can kind of project on others because it threatens your protection. And then as a man, I guess you can project evil on others if it becomes an obstacle to obtaining beauty. Hmm. Like people. He almost said, like, Jung almost calls it, like, possessed by the anima. Like, they can justify anything for trying to win the maiden. And it it could just overtake you with such strength that you're, like, blind to it. Mm hmm So I suppose um not seeing is basically what you're saying saying is you're not seeing the red flags because you're thinking this person is the ideal would you say that's what like you're thinking you're so justified just because you're okay. trying to win the girl okay so it's like an ends justify the means kind of thing i don't even know if it's that conscious i i think it's kind of like i'm just doing what my like, I want her. Like, I'm just doing what my body says or something. Okay. The heart wants, basically, the the, um, the old phrase, what the heart wants, the heart wants kind of thing. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I guess, um, what are some aspects about ourselves that we can see the animal or the animus in ourselves in order to gain better understanding of individuation. So it's basically how do we see whatever the animal or animus, male or female, in ourselves so we can better synchronize that, if that's the word I could use, into ourselves to have a better sense of individuation, a better sense of wholeness. I know. Easy questions, right? <laughs> uh... If you if you've got a few more notes that you want to get to, by all means, I'm I'm not gonna stop you. Yeah, I guess with the the scissor G, which is, did I say it right? Uh, Sigisy. <laughs> Trust me, I had I had to ask Google how to pronounce it. Oh man, yeah. So he says in, oh man, I'm gonna screw it up again. Sigisy. He says in the Sigisy there you go. that there's three parts. One is the met female. I meet a female on the street, mm -hmm. whatever. Um, there's the anima, which is kind of the unconscious image of the perfect female. 
And then he says there's the third the third part is actually the femininity in the self that mm-hmm. as you become integrated you understand some of these maybe feminine attributes that you have and they become integrated into the ego ego integrates them essentially yeah so it's basically having a proper understanding of the feminine self and projecting it a proper feminine projecting so that way you can better understand yourself to having better wholeness if those string of words make sense yeah i think so kind of like a the masculine has a lot to learn from the feminine masculine might have a lot of compassion to learn or mm-hmm. or all these things um i suppose a good way of putting it is say like somebody who grew up in a i don't know more out in the country they're a rough and tumble boy uh work with their hands their mechanic and all that here comes a really lovely lady. Um, he probably has a lot to learn because he's probably so used to having rough and tumble play with a lot of his friends. And then here comes a very nice lady from, I don't know, a suburban town who's moved out to the country and he's trying to impress her and all that. But as a matter of fact, there's some things he could probably learn from her, such as not being so, I guess, boisterous. Your Ford truck does not impress me. <laughs> That don't impress me much. I don't, I don't know. Shania Twain, I think. I'm not a fan of country music, I will say that. But I, I think it has to do with... This is just me having a tangent, but it probably has a lot to do with learning about yourself and what about yourself that can help you tick better. By tick better, I mean being more integrated not only with yourself but with others around you because a self is only a self insofar as how you relate to others of course you have hermits you have monks but even they usually have some sort of community even though it's cloistered i think a proper wholeness of self is even having others around you to help you in your life Mm. and so i think having that at least for the male, that female component can help in that sense. Now, of course, this is just me personally. I don't think we should look to uh, the person of the opposite sex for that wholeness and fulfillment, but rather you should seek that for your own person first before trying to seek that wholeness and fulfillment from the other person. Hmm. I think that first a person should become whole for themselves and for their own reason now whatever that reason might be hopefully it's for good virtue i think that having the introduction of another person who's also good whole or at least person of good virtue will help develop your character even further because i'm sure when you have that good person in your other good person in your life even if they're let's just say they're not even a spouse 
let's just say they're a really good friend. But usually a, a spouse can help expose this in you. you I, I think you can see how selfish you can be. Because that's what I've heard from people is you don't realize how selfish you are until you get married. Huh. And then I've heard once you have kids, then you realize just how much more selfish you are. <laughs> Mind you, I don't have kids and I'm not married. But this is what I've heard from others who are married and have kids. Yeah. Yeah, if there's a justice issue in the household, people notice it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one... And I guess one weird part of Jung's theory is... So, so I mentioned earlier that you could think of the anima or animus as like kind of this imprint mm-hmm. in your unconscious mind. And then I, I told you that I was wrong and it's actually more animated than that. Uh, and I, I guess hmm, with, with those two, it, it's also this weird thing that it, it gets articulated over time. Uh, your kind of psychology of the other sex as you make it conscious and then you know there's the unconscious elements that just kind of dance around and cast projections and whatnot uh it's kind of hmm. you said earlier that ideally both partners kind of have the sense of wholeness and then they date and it's like actually a good idea um Mm-hmm. Like some relationships that everyone knows is a bad idea. <laughs> uh, it, it's weird though because part of this, man, I'm gonna say this word wrong again. Sigacy. Yeah, part of this sigacy is is that you're actually articulating each other. Mm, that's that, good. I like that. That the that the unconscious psychology of the other sex. It's like it's a seed to kind of grow you, but. You haven't actually molded together. So like the new, new person, <laughs> um, the developing person is, hasn't even really chosen a path to be molded to the other sex with a particular partner yet either. Mm-hmm. I wonder how that would be in relation to the female then. Because the reason why I say that is because I'm a guy, and so I'm wondering how that would be in relating to a female, how they would understand that in regards to Jung's psychology here. Mm. I guess how a female would, let's say the the two people are married, how would the wife better view her husband if we're going with the animus? Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a huge hole in the way I've thought about it. I, I guess, and this is kind of going to John Eldridge, who uses very similar mm-hmm. terms. I haven't read him, but I hear a lot of people like him. But go ahead, continue. Yeah, his view is that part of a man's mission is to fight for the beauty mm-hmm. in a partner. And it's not like, Oh, I kissed the lovely maid and like, cool, did it, check. <laughs> Dragon has its throat cut off, head cut off. Uh, I mean, either works. Yeah, his view is more like you have to continue to fight for the beauty, even when you're in a relationship. Hmm. That that it's something you 
don't stop pursuing. Hmm. As far as what the opposite of that is in the female, and, and that's if you subscribe to John Eldridge's um, way of thinking. Yeah, yeah, I guess I'm, I don't really know what, what yeah. within a relationship striving for. I guess we're going to have to go now. We might have to go with some stereotypes here. The damsel in distress. Of course, I've heard it said that women like a guy who leads. Or at the very mm. least, a guy with some confidence. He doesn't have to be, you know, al- Mr. Alpha Male takes lead in every situation. But a guy who can... What, what, what's a good example? Can you think of one? Yeah. Uh, let me let me try to think. I guess... William Shatner. That's <laughs> oh, too old. I don't know. I guess a, um, a guy who... who now I'm trying to relate it to myself. I guess a guy who knows how to appreciate the woman for who she is. Maybe a woman who likes to be appreciated. And who... I'm just going with the things off the top of my head. So I guess I'm... Let me go with the woman who I probably would like. And then I'll try to build off of that. I'd want a woman who knows that she enjoys being appreciated. Who doesn't always feel like she needs me to feel whole and i suppose one who is willing to be uh, i was thinking about this earlier today and i can't think of it right now who's very understanding and the reason why i say the understanding part is because i like because i like to be understanding of others so i'd want her to be like that towards me so i suppose um Kind of like the caretaker for herself. Obviously not not being at her every um, beck and call or always being at her with every bell ring. Like, oh, can you get me this? Can you get me this? No, that that's ridiculous. It, it's more of somebody who I think, again, who can at least help provide in some way. Even if it's not, say, financially, help provide in some emotional way. I think a woman might be looking for a man who can be steady. Sure. So even if he's not um, Mr. Universe, so lifting 5,000 pounds, I'm just throwing a weight out there, he doesn't even need to be a six-figure salary man with all this stuff. I think a woman likes a guy who's steady, who knows that he'll still be there. I guess... My guess is women like a guy who's secure, either secure with her or secure in himself, who's not willing to betray the relationship. I suppose a guy who's willing to listen. What else is there? And I'm trying to relate this into how a woman can view a more ideal man. Yeah, hmm. yeah it's, I guess it's just one of those areas where my reading of Jung gets kind of difficult because there's kind of these developmental things. There's a lot of activity in the anima or animus. Mm-hmm. And then it's like you're married and it's like, okay, well, 
what's what's going on there mm-hmm. yeah i i think i think there's that sense of ever being an adventure even if it's not going out every night but you have to find somebody who's willing to be on the same adventure as you mm-hmm. does that make sense but i think i'm getting too far off task here let's try to i want to try to bring it back around to you i think i'm trying to think of what would be a good ideal mate but i suppose it's it, it can be related to this um did you pick up any of what you're saying about the eros and the logos oh uh no i didn't really pick up too much on that can you you can explain that yeah so it kind of views okay let's start with the animus um the ideal idealized so once again generalization um male as having the logos which is like word reason ability to articulate stewardship authority order Mm -hmm. Uh, and then for the Jung pairs with the anima. Yeah, the anima is the eros, which is like romance, compassion, maternity, nurturing, grace, thoughtfulness. Mm-hmm. So he he would Jung would say that men have a their conscious mind has a logos, and their unconscious mind kind of desires an eros. Mm-hmm. And then for the feminine mind, the the conscious mind is. Um, kind of has the eros, uh, and then the unconscious mind seeks the logos. Hmm. So, so men are more logic focused. While in there, in the back of their subconscious, they're trying to get that erotic, or not even erotic, but that kind of passion, love, and beauty, stuff like romance. That. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then the woman, um, in their conscience, they're they're um wanting that beauty romance and all that but in their subconscious they're wanting that logos that sense of logic and reason i suppose would you say it's kind of like that yeah i I think so i think their view is that in the conscious mind it's kind of just baked into the ego Mm -hmm. so it's I, i guess you would say like once again, huge generalization. Men generally kind of have this logo baked into them, the way they operate. It's not even like they're trying to be it or something. It's just kind of like they just are. Mm-hmm. And women aren't trying to be lovely or romantic. They're just naturally more compassionate in general. Uh, yeah, and then through seeking another, you you kind of um yeah i guess integrate more more consciously what you're looking for in a partner and maybe even have some of those attributes yourself integrated into your conscious personality Hmm. yeah um i guess the next question i would have is how do we better understand our own anima or animus 
That was a question I was wondering. Yeah, I think hmm. it seems to be a process of, of knowing maybe that we're incomplete in certain ways or that we were made for each other. And I, I don't want to say it's like make a list, like they must, yeah. <laughs> you know, be six feet tall and have all their toenails clipped <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, I think it's kind of, hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, I think one thing that it, that it shouldn't be is having a negative projection. So for me as a guy, having a negative projection of the negative female. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to use the word archetype, but I don't know what other word to use. The negative female archetype, the devouring mother. I guess it would be good to not have that view of a woman and try to see more of the positive. Now I'm thinking of who is it? Howard from the Big Bang Theory. Oh yeah. Yes, Howard. Yes. Did it... you get my? F- I don't know. Did you get my crab right go? Ointment. Yeah. yeah. My ointment. Is there a doctor? Yeah. The joke is that his mother's like that, and then yeah. Who does he? Uh, Bernadette. Yeah, Bernadette. I think there's one episode where she explicitly kind of becomes the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that. I, I watched a bit of Big Bang Theory. It's actually not too bad of a show, despite what some people might say. Yeah, that would be like an anima issue that mm-hmm. he, he kind of recreated this reality for him. And it's a comedy, so you don't have to feel bad, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh, my. Uh, hmm. I, I suppose it's good to try to, let's say there's a woman you might be interested in. It'd be good to try to see what positive aspects of her that you can integrate into your life and that mm-hmm. you can introduce her into your life as well. But you also have to be aware of the negative aspects because if if you're focusing too much on the positive aspect, and you're not seeing any negative, eventually, there, I'm sure that there can be resentment in those areas because then you realize that you're having too much of an idealistic view of the woman that you were with. And before you know it, it's the devouring witch, Hensel and Gretel. That's what I'm thinking of right now. Hmm. And then I suppose for a woman, the tyrannical father, or or in this case, a tyrannical husband, thinking too much of him, like, oh, he's got all this. He has a, ni- has a nice job. He's He provides. He seems sweet. Four or five years down the road, he's kind of abusive, very controlling, manipulative, trying to tell you that you shouldn't be around these types of guys or these women, that kind of tyranny i i think it's i think to circle it back around it's don't try to idealize the person you're with too much but it's still good to view those positive aspects in them to hope that they embody those positive aspects yeah and i i've said this phrase so many times but like the masculine feminine feminine yeah feminine 
are just going to be di- in dialogue until the end of time. Mm-hmm. That that's yeah. just how it works. And like typically when you're a male, you kind of have it on your heart to kind of try to understand the feminine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know there can be like healthy um, femininity and toxic femininity. Just how there could be healthy masculinity and toxic masculinity. Yeah. Uh, just to use some modern terms. See, so, yeah, I, I think it's like you're kind of, by having this image imprinted in you of the opposite sex, you're you're going to grapple with it, but that doesn't equal a good or bad trajectory. It just means that it's a portion of reality that through development you're going to wrestle with. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. So think of, yeah, think think of an uh, think of an argument where you're it's verbal wrestling with another person. You're doing this. No, you're doing this. No, you. And then you hopefully will come to some sort of uh, agreement on something. Yes. Even though I haven't had that sort of thing, but that that's a whole nother topic. Um, I think my next question in relation to all this. Is it possible to let the anima or anima or animus to have too much control over yourself? So the anima within the man to have way too much control that the man almost doesn't re- resemble what he was. And same thing goes for the for the female. Um, I could tell you Jung's view. I don't know if I agree with it. Yeah, I'd like to hear it. His view is that in homosexuality that the roles flip. Hmm. His view is that it is a problem. Hmm. Um, I'm not even going to touch that. <laughs> no, it's all right. I, I'm just talking about what's... What Jung's idea is. Yeah. Just as a disclaimer, this is Jung's idea. We both have our own personal opinions, but this is what Jung is saying. But go ahead. Yeah, so he thought they just he just flipped and it was I don't even know. I'm, <laughs> I guess he thought it was like a problem. Uh Yeah, it's I think there's ways of repressing um the anima that can torture you. Hmm. There's It's also this thing that Jordan Peterson says where when men like get married, they need to sacrifice the ideal woman for the actual. Hmm. That makes sense. Like that there's an age you're going to have all this. Ta-da. My brain wants, you know, the perfect woman. And then I, I guess a little bit of reality check. I'm also thinking of butterflies. Do you know how they, they won't mate with other butterflies based on like millimeter differences in their wings and the patterns. I did not know that. I know very little about butterflies. Oh, yeah. They, they kind of have this like same thing, kind of this image of like, oh, this is a good mate, kind of deep in their unconscious, and they will make distinctions we can't even notice as people um, while choosing between mates. So you almost think, oh, this butterfly in its head probably has some ideal 
genetically perfect, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then it chooses a mate during butterfly mating season. <laughs> I don't even know how that works. I don't know either. Oh, man, I got to do some research. <laughs> you can do that research. <laughs> yes. I, I guess it kind of comes from this idea that a lot of species have this ideal in their head that it's it's part of what motivates everything on earth to find a mate mm-hmm. is some sort of imprint or image of what a mate should be and then you know it kind of gets affected by personal associations i want someone that's not like this or uh this works with my personality type etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah, so th- those are the two, I guess, problems with the anima. A, it's repressing it. B, is it's not being able to sacrifice the ideal. And then as a result of not sacrificing the ideal, you might have a bunch of short-lived, unstable relationships. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That makes sense. So it's like going from relationship to next relationship thinking you'll find the ideal but the next person you think is the ideal is not the ideal it's kind of like that kind of like yeah. date, like dating or sleeping around basically makes sense i would yeah that's my stab at ways an anima can control someone hmm. i wonder about the animus for the woman i suppose it's as same thing as well serial dating dating around sleeping around i guess it would be the same thing, just applied a bit differently. Yeah, I think women are less, uh, they're less visually attracted to a mate. Um, for them, it's, hmm. Yeah, I, I guess I get this feeling that women want men that are like really emotionally real. Mm, makes sense. Not this uh, fake stoic front. Yeah. Yes, I don't know if... hmm. Yeah, maybe it's dating around seeking some sort of stability Hmm. that is just too idealistic or something. Um, Yeah, I think it might be a little... I don't know. My female friends can answer me on this one, but Mm -hmm. I feel like it might be a little different. Yeah. Well, it probably is. I can't answer for them. I can answer. I can kind of answer for myself, but I think we can only really speculate. At least for us, we can only really speculate. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really, I don't know if I really have much else to add. I know we can... Maybe for the next one, we can get into the self. Do you have anything else? Not really, no. No. Yeah. I'm actually enjoying this book a lot. I sent you that text message like, oh my goodness, this is... I don't get how Jordan Peterson says this book terrifies him. I'm like, terrifying? This is brilliant. Oh, what were you saying about project... You said something about insecurity. Projecting... Like insecurity relating to the anima or animus. It was, you didn't say at this time, you said at the end of last podcast. Oh, um, let me see here. 
Um, I'm trying to think. So I suppose projecting an insecurity that, let's say, let me see if I can try to remember it and correct me if I'm wrong and how I'm trying to reiterate it. So you have this understanding of a female within you, mm-hmm. but yet your understanding of a, of a female is probably not flawed or wrong, but um, you have maybe a fear. Because it's an ideal? Yeah, or maybe, and, and I'm, I think I'm relating this to myself, um, you're, you've had some bad experience with a woman, mm. and you feel, and this is me being kind of vulnerable, but I don't mind sharing it, you're feeling insecure in the fact that you don't know if the next woman you're going to be with is an ideal woman. So I suppose with maybe an insecurity within yourself is maybe not seeking out the good woman you should. And instead of seeking her out, you're staying where you're at in your comfort zone instead of getting out and looking for, to put it in old hero stories look for that damsel does that make sense or is that was it is that what you were trying to get at not exactly but that that definitely is another reality that exists um yeah insecurity kind of based on being burned before and and wanting not wanting to be burned again yeah so I'm wondering if it's, and again, I, I'm going based off of my relation here, my own personal, I guess you could say insecurities. Um, it's since the ideal, I guess this would be kind of related to it. Hopefully it is. Since the ideal animus in your mind has, or is it anima? Anima. The ideal yes. anima for the male confusing the ideal anima in your mind if you've had a devouring woman in your life i suppose there's an insecurity to want to seek out an ideal woman but i suppose i suppose the question that you're asking that that you said i proposed last time was and correct me if i'm wrong is it the insecurity of yourself where you're projecting an improper anima onto a woman. Is that basically what you're trying to say? Uh, I think that's a case of it. Okay. That, that could happen. Like you, you can try to make someone equal the ideal and then be disappointed. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I was thinking more of the insecurity of like first love or something like that Hmm. that there's uh, it's this whole like charade Um, I guess men get kind of wrapped up in this illusion of beauty like oh she's so pretty oh I want to hold her hand during recess share a juice box (laughs) etc I I don't know what young girl looks like Uh, I'm gonna gonna have to go for old love at this point with my age 
uh, and I, I think for women, sometimes it's this, I guess, trying to read into men's motives, like, oh, he did this, like, what does he mean? And, and men are just sometimes oblivious to their own emotions. So it's sort of comical. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and Jung mentions that it's kind of this inferiority feeling because the ego doesn't know how to handle the anima or animus that we get into these weird, you know, speculation or am I achieving uh, getting beauty things? And I, I think almost that you need some sort of inferiority going into a relationship because it leads to the humility to bring unity in the relationship. If you went into a relationship both being very like secure, then you wouldn't really glue together well. But if there's kind of this tee-hee, he said, she said, um, play between the sexes where, where both feel kind of inferior and humbled, uh, think of like Pride and Prejudice or something, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm that gonna... was act- that was actually a good movie. I know I'm based off the book, but I I think the movie was actually decent. Yeah, what's her face? Like Elizabeth gets Darcy very wrong. Yeah, yeah, Darcy's that. He seems like a total stuck up guy, but then towards the end of the story, it's like, oh, he actually is actually he's actually a pretty decent dude. Yeah, he was like funding his brother, who was kind of kind of just crazy, um, and I guess financially supporting some people that weren't very responsible uh but anyway that that was like they were like kind of in competition and like near the end their hearts kind of melt for each other or whatever mm-hmm. like so i think you would almost say that this inferiority has a very important role related to the ego being humbled and then as a result getting into a relationship where you're like melded together stronger hmm yeah, I guess that's a good way of putting it. Uh, I guess for me, this is me trying to, needing to improve on it, not being, it's not so much I'm, maybe I'm insecure on this for myself, but maybe it's not, I need to not focus too much on what, um, what negative, what negative, things a woman might do or produce but it's kind of hard to get out of that mindset when you've been in a toxic relationship you're like hypersensitive to those things now yeah burned yeah yeah and just as a kind of a segue um when you're when you've come out of some sort of toxic relationship and you're actually hesitant to go into another relationship Mm. for me i can understand that now and now um, if I see some a similar red flag to an ex that I had been with, mm. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm pulling away now. But it's the question is, am I projecting those insecurities that I had from a previous relationship properly or improperly onto who I might want to date? Yeah, like it's it's a feminine reality that there's a toxic version of it. I, I think Jung would. Jung has a lot of dexterity with the with the anima character, and I think 
I think his view would be that as associations kind of get broken through meeting different people and different experiences, that a more healthy version of the archetype might um, come into the unconscious. Hmm. But I, I think there's a lot of connections and associations that have kind of been, you know, calcified into like a ball that that just kind of takes time. Mm-hmm. I know for me, I've, it's still taking time. I, I feel, I don't feel any resentment or anger towards my previous relationship now. It's just now not bringing or not putting any negative projections on whoever my next possible partner would be. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's hard. I think everyone just comes to relationships with baggage. That's Yeah. That's like the whole like phrase right yeah and then you i have come to... with like a bunch of suitcases like, hey here's all <laughs> yeah. my baggage let's let's unpack this baggage let's unpack this and see let's take out what needs to be taken out and <laughs> see what needs to be kept yeah and, and you like lose a partner to even process some of that stuff with mm-hmm. so it like doubly sucks because it seems like sometimes between relationships you don't even Maybe with people of the same sex, but you, it's like almost harder to process it mm-hmm. without like a opposite sex representative. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose it's good to have a good ideal partner, not like ideal as in platonic ideal. She's everything, but yeah. a good ideal partner who will be a good help to you and what i had was a hindrance mm. that, that's the best way of putting it somebody who was very draining yeah as you can tell i don't mind talking about my issues that's about all i had yeah i don't really have much more hopefully what i say to people in regards to my own personal issues will help somebody out there hopefully but yeah, I don't really have much else. Yeah, we're all messed up. We're born upside down, as <laughs> David Bowie says, and I forget what song. But uh, okay. I don't know. I haven't watched. I haven't listened to much of Bowie. But, all right. Until next time, we will be reading the self, which this this chapter is just eluding me. So uh, I've I've got some notes on this, but we'll we'll get to that next time. Awesome. Take care. All right.